are great relationships pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Two ways to live. Herman, I'm thinking that's my way or the highway. <laughs> that's my. That's the way I think about it. That's for sure. But no, that isn't where we're going to go. We're not going to go with that. That's for sure. That's There's, not the two ways to that live? That is not the two ways to live. Okay, well, I'm thinking it is, so maybe I need like a little spiritual bath if you'll pray for us, please. <laughs> okay. Lord, thank you so much that you truly have set out very clear guidelines, very clear understanding for us to follow. And these two ways to live will play into that very strongly. Lord, I pray that we'll pay attention to your word, not our opinion. In your precious name, amen. Amen and hallelujah. Thank you, sir. So two ways to live, if it's not my way or the highway, then is it that fundamental choice where I either decide to do what God's asking me to do or what I want to do? I love referring to that as a two ways to live, but no, that isn't what we're talking about. If you want to think of it, we got two two ways to live. <laughs> Great. It's, it's, it's really not that because the fundamental decision in life is truly just that. That's the anchor for everything we're talking about here. You're either going to trust God or trust something other than God. That's the fundamental decision in life. Yes, that is a two. Trust God, trust something other than God. That's a two. But the what, what I'm going to be telling you is there is another two ways to live that drives a whole different dynamic in, in our lives on a regular basis. Okay, well, I know you're big on digital thinking, and I've heard you talk about that. So there's two ways to live. That's more digital thinking, right? It actually is. It drives it down to the place where there's no gray. You're either doing this or you're doing that. That typically helps us understand how life works best. But before we get there, Paul, we're not going to tell you what those two ways to live are. Not again. <laughs> yes, again. Yes, again. Uh, we're going to, let's let's make certain that we all understand, you and I understand the problem and the solution. Let's bring that back up. And, and then what I want you to understand is there are three tools to implement the solution. And we've talked about two of those, but I'm going to help you understand how all these tools work together. And then we'll finally give you that uh, two ways to live, which will lead into that third tool. Let's tell everybody again, there is the problem in all relationships, and there's a solution for all relationships. There's only one problem, and there's only one solution. Most people don't want to believe that, right? But we've just done this before, right? That's where we point at each other and say, repeat after me, if you would just change, I'll be happy. So I know what the problem is. It's them. That's right. It's always them. <laughs> the problem in every relationship is you make everything about me. Ouch. Your me is flashing. That's the problem in every relationship. The solution that we've talked about is this definition of love that simply says pursuing the best for others, patiently, kindly, sacrificially, and unconditionally. That's the solution. If I decide that I'm not going to flash my me, I am going in the other direction. I'm going to pursue your best patiently, kindly, sacrificially, and unconditionally, then that is a great chance the relationship can work. Okay, so let me get this. The problem is anytime I make it about me or my flashing me goes blinky, 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 mm -hmm. like it turns in, mm -hmm. and the solution is making it about someone else, and that sounds nice, but now you've carried it and you've said this definition of love, patiently, kindly, sacrificially, unconditionally. That's right. Pursuing and their best. Pursuing their best. And the difficulty, as we've talked about up to this point also, is the fact that if you pursue somebody else's best and they're not pursuing yours, that's a problem, right? Okay, so again, back to this digital thinking again, I am either making it about me or about them. Right. That's the problem. The solution is 
Maybe, Am I going to do it? Or I'm going to simply pursue it for them. And we need to stay away from this return on in, uh, return on investment relationship mentality. Meaning what's in it for me. That's right. Well, I'm just not going to pursue their best anymore because they're not doing it for me. That's how most relationships end up working. I wish I had a nickel every time I or someone I've been in a relationship enters the room or the conversation, mm-hmm. you know, and what have you done for me lately? Right. And that's the, the whole idea would be like me saying, uh, well, Paul, I'm going to pursue your best. I'm going to bring you lunch and I bring you lunch every day. And then you don't do any, don't even thank me for it. And I get to the place where I go, well, he's not even thanking me for that. I'm just not going to do that anymore. He ought to be at least saying thank you. He probably ought to offer to bring me lunch every once in a while. Well, that's, that's just silliness. That's the way relationships end up working too much of the time. They want something out of the other person instead of just saying, I'm just going to do it God's way, which is I'm going to pursue their best, whether they ever do anything in, my, in return or not. This sounds good. Where does it say that in the Bible? 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 7. Just go read the 15 components of love, and you'll see that it starts off with two, where it talks about patient or suffering long and kind. And the way that we work with that passage is those two words are the key to that passage and the other 13 fit up underneath those two. And then the other passage would be Ephesians chapter 5 verse 25 where it talks about the man is to love the wife as the Christ loves the church. And it talks about sacrificial it talks about unconditional nourishing and cherishing the steps in doing this what in implementing the solution yes oh thank you for asking that paul you gave me an answer but it's like okay so what do i do with this i got this box where's the assembly instructions yes you only need the problem and the solution to make a relationship work you only need that most people can't see how that works. But if I don't have the tools, how am I going to impact That's them? right. Most people can't see how that works, and that's the reason why we spend a lot of time talking about how the problem shows itself. It shows itself in so many different ways, and that's what we're going to be talking about as it leads us to these two ways to live. You know that gopher game where the little gopher's head pops up, and you get the little mallet, and you knock it down? If I look at my life in just one day, and the central question is, how am I making this about me? I'd be like the world champion at the gopher game. Because <laughs> yeah, right, right. making it about me shows up everywhere. It shows up everywhere. And if you remember right, one of the key questions for us to ask ourselves as we get upset with life, as we get upset with circumstances, as we get upset with people, we're going to see our emotions get out of hand. And most likely, it's going to go toward the concept of anger or even depression, things of that nature. That is the trigger I want you to be looking for. The trigger that I want you to be looking for are those negative emotions. And every time you start seeing those negative emotions, ask that question. How am I making this about me right now? Whoa, that hurts because when I start getting those negative emotions, it's all about how are they hurting me? That's right. And And the answer is, the real question is, how am I making this about me? That's right. If you get get to that awareness and get to that place, you're going to be really doing this well in the long term. So if you can get to that place, you're going to start seeing the problem is real. We know it is. But it just doesn't manifest itself in our minds as much as we need to. So if we understand the problem, then we need to start applying the solution. But it's really disguised. 
how we can understand the problem or see that the problem even exists. Because I'm telling you what, when I get all up in myself, I don't think that I'm the problem. It's them hurting me, someone stepping that's, on my toes, right. someone's cutting me off. And that's the reason why I'm saying that's they the They have 20 items in the 10-item checkout line. That, that is exactly what is happening with us because what we need to consider here is that's the trigger. And when you see that, how am I making this about me? That's the time you start implementing the solution. It's that simple. When you see those negative emotions, how am I making this about me? Then I have an opportunity right then and there to go, oh, I am making this about me. It's time for me to do something different. If I want a different outcome, I do need to implement a different solution. Okay, and you're going to give me the steps coming up after the break. I'm going to tell you some ways that you're going to be able to implement this solution. And we've, we've talked about them, forgiveness and confession, and we're going to let you know what that third one is. Oh, great. There's more I have to wait for. Now the third <laughs> tool and also the two ways to live. Okay, well, check us out. You can listen to this program again and maybe hear me get the answer at our website, grnumeral8relationships.com. That's greatrelationships.com. Or give us a call at 800-819-4293. Or even better still, find us and like us on Facebook. Great thoughts for great relationships. Knowing and practicing this definition of love is the key to all good relationships. Love is seeking the best for others, patiently, kindly, sacrificially, and unconditionally. Great relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. You know how you're always praying for a sign from God? That you're meant to go to seminary? This is your sign. Seriously, I'm here to tell you about Grace. Grace School of Theology. It's free grace based. The professors are world class. It's accredited, accessible, attainable, and oh yes, it's affordable. You can even complete your entire degree online, which means you don't have to move. Wouldn't it be great to have a deeper knowledge of the Word of God? Write this down. www.gsot.edu gsot.edu or call 877-476-8674 877-476-8674 Now get going! Now. And we're back. Great relationships. GR numeral 8 relationships.com. The website, or you can give us a call at 800 819 4293. Herman, deer in the block. I got a lot of input. The game that I was talking about, they said, Paul, it's not gophers, what's in your head. The name of the game is whack a mole. But what really got me, one of our producers said, Yeah, that whack a mole game. I don't think of my flashing me. I think everyone else's. And every time I hit one of those moles, <laughs> there's Herman, there's Paul, there's Steph. There's <laughs> doom, doom, doom. That, so, that is an ultimate flashing me moment. <laughs> <laughs> Not mine. Not that I'm pointing fingers, right? Yeah, that's so right. before the break, two ways to live, my way or the highway. No, you said 
Yeah, there is definitely two ways to live. But again, we're not going to talk about that quite yet. <laughs> we want to talk about these tools in order to implement the solution. We've talked about this in previous programs, talking about the tool of confession. Why is that such an important tool? Because if you're willing to confess what you've done wrong, you can help get over the past. That's a critical issue in any relationship. Why should I want to get over the past? I like keeping it in the present. Isn't that the truth? It that defines our relationship. You owe me. That's exactly what happens. We become a victim when we are doing those type of things. We become a victim and we are keeping the past in the present at that point in time. So that's the one tool that we need to be considering. And we've talked about that, confession. The other tool we've talked about also is forgiveness. We've talked about it in overall issues, but I want to spend some time just to go through the seven steps because people need to understand these seven steps. Please go to the website, go look at what's out there for all the details in chapter eight to be able to see what forgiveness is all about. Okay, now these seven steps, this is actually how I can implement. This is the assembly instructions for this box of stuff you've given me. Exactly. If you're going to implement the solution, pursuing the best for others, patiently, kindly, sacrificially, and unconditionally, the three tools that you use are confession, forgiveness, and this secret tool that I'm going to tell you later. I thought you were (laughs) going to tell me the third one. (sighs) So forgiveness, you need to start with the first uh, step in facing their humanity, F. And this, these seven steps spell forgave. If that will help you try to remember these steps, it spells forgave to face their humanity, to stop the bleeding. In other words, If you want a great analogy on what happens with forgiveness, it's like somebody has stabbed you and uh, life is flowing out of you with the blood and everything else. In order to get into forgiveness, you need to be able to look at them as a human being again instead of seeing them through the, the deed that they did to you. So face their humanity. Second, overlook revenge. Most people think that revenge is a right. Revenge is not a right that we have. It is an assumed right that we've taken, but it's God's alone. It is a culinary dish, and it is best served cold. Cold, that's right. (laughs) So overlook revenge. You face their humanity. You overlook revenge, or you renew your mind. This is the time that you start recognizing that it's it's best that I think differently. And part of renewing your mind is getting the definition of forgiveness— clear in your mind to understand that it's probably different than you may have tried to apply it in the past. Here's our definition of forgiveness. Never abusing them for the wrong they did to you in thought, word, or action. And that's where we renew our mind to that truth. I do want to face their humanity. I do want to overlook revenge, but it's imperative that I renew my mind to once I forgive them, it's a dead issue. It's gone. Then the G is to give it up. This is where you actually apply the, the, the definition. I'm going to let it go. I'm going to go to God, and I'm going to let this go. And in the application, you go into the A, which is apply that decision. And in this application, we're really big on creating a memorial. A memorial is the best way to apply forgiveness, especially in those bigger situations. Like I've stated before, October 15 is a memorial for Louie and I whenever the two of us start remembering something about our past, we just need to go October 15. Remember October 15. That's the memorial because once I have that memorial, it'll help me in this next step to validate the decision. 
and to validate the decision, it's critical because here's what's going to happen. The minute you forgive somebody, almost immediately what's going to happen is, why in the world did you do that? You gave up your trump card to use against them. And sin nature is going to end up driving you into thinking that you've done something wrong. And God's going, no, it's right. You did something right. So you need to validate the decision that you actually forgave them. But then I end up retrying the case. You will try to retry the case. So how are you going to know if you actually forgave them? We've talked about this. The issue is you simply need to ask one question. Did I forgive Louis on October 15th when I said that I did? There's only two answers for that. Yes or no, right? And if I say yes, I did, then I claim 2 Corinthians 10, 4, and 5 which in the last part of that says taking every thought subject to the obedience of Christ. And once I do that, I leave it with God and I move into the seventh step. And this is the most important step from the viewpoint of knowing that you have forgiven is to be able to pray blessing and peace upon their life. If you can't pray blessing and peace upon their life, more than likely you haven't forgiven because that is a critical part of forgiveness. I end up retrying the case all the time and it changes my moods. And the reason why I'm bringing it up before the break, you told me I need to look for this key indicator that how am I making it about me? Anytime I step into negative emotions or thoughts, right? I'm making it about me mm-hmm. and I don't. I'm thinking it's the harm that someone's done to me. And yeah. I'm validating you're trying to validate. That's exactly right. And you don't understand how forgiveness really works. What we do, if you're retrying the case, you probably need to forgive again. That's the, that's the big issue. Well, then how do I know if I really did forgive? You know you really did forgive by asking that question. Did I forgive them on October 15th like I said I did? Goes back to the memorial. Yes, yes I did. If you don't have that memorial, you're going to have a very difficult time understanding whether you forgave or not. One little question. So then this is like the devil in the Garden of Eden. Did God really say? So now the devil's in my ear going, did you really forgive? That's yeah, I right. did. I did on October 15th. I did. Lord, I don't have any business thinking about that because I'm letting that control my life. And then you can know if you forgave by going into step seven, which is the praying blessing and peace upon their life. Because if you have a very difficult time praying blessing, peace upon their life, you probably didn't forgive them because that is a critical issue for us to recognize. It's time for me to move on. And all of this is in chapter eight at the website. Right, it's all in chapter eight at the website and it's critical for us to understand the rationale behind forgiveness because if we don't understand that, you are going to limit the ability for this relationship to go forward. So the solution has three tools to be implemented, confession, forgiveness, and then the third one, Going to have to wait on that. But, I but, was just going to ask you. But the, but the issue for us is to understand that if you don't have confession and forgiveness in your relationship, you'll never get over the past. You're going to let things continue to separate you, and you're never going to be able to make it. That's cr- you're gonna, never going to be able to make it into a close, intimate relationship when you have those things standing between you. Confession and forgiveness removes the things between the two of you. Here is a great statement that I love for people to think about as a couple. 
great relationships leave a trail of resolved issues. This is a quote from Dr. Fred Librand. Great relationships leave a trail of resolved issues. What I want is two people walking side by side. They can't walk side by side if they don't have confession and forgiveness in their life. If they're not willing to confess what they've done wrong, which creates a separation from the other person, if they're not willing to forgive the other person for what the person did wrong to them, they're, you're going to leave those things between you, and you're not going to be able to walk side by side to have this trail of resolved issues. Okay, well then I'm realizing I have perhaps another mistruth in my head, and that mistruth is great relationships mean you never hurt me. You're saying, no, 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 no. Great relationships have a lot of healed hurts. That's right. Go to the website and see how much we believe that it hurt you because the analogy that we use in forgiveness is a wound. It's a wound, and we use the six steps of cleansing a wound and getting, getting a wound to heal. Uh, so we know that it hurt. The issue is it doesn't have to hurt forever. If you want it to hurt forever, just stay in resentments, bitterness, and grudges. Thank you, Herman. And if you'd like to listen to this program again or review the material, especially in Chapter 8, study guide is at our website, GR Numeral 8 Relationships, turning infinity on its head. That's GR Numeral 8 Relationships.com. You can call us at 1-800-819-4293 or find us and like us on Facebook. Important key elements for great relationships. God has created us to have primary needs. The reason God asks a woman to respect her husband in Ephesians 5.22 is because God created men with a need to be significant. Great relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. Relationships can be great, and not just marriages or romantic relationships, all relationships. The Bible offers the same solution to what is essentially the same problem. What is the problem and what is the solution? Study along with us to find out. Great Relationships is a video course offering biblically-based insight on relationships. In each video, watch Herman tame tough issues by discussing them in a casual online learning environment. Each of Great Relationships' 12 chapters are subdivided into quick segments you can squeeze into a coffee break. So if you've had time to listen to this promotion, you have the time to sign up and start today. Visit our website at greatrelationships.com. That's G-R-numeral-8-relationships.com to sign up for our free newsletter. Pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. And we're back, greatrelationships.com, the website. Herman, before the break, you had talked about the seven steps to forgiveness. I need to state that it is in Chapter 8, GR, numeral 8, relationships.com. Check that out, Great Relationships, Chapter 8, on the website, the seven steps to forgive. Let me go through that very quickly again. It all spells forgave. Face their humanity. That's the F. O, overlook revenge. R, renew the mind. G, give it up. A, apply the decision. V, validate the decision. E, 
enjoy healing. Those are the seven steps that you would want to be following and get all those details. There's some great things to consider in relationship to all this because it's just like dealing with a physical wound. That's what's so important about forgiveness the way we teach it. It's just like dealing with a wound. And it's not that great relationships don't have hurts. It's that the hurts have healed. The hurts have healed. We love the the term, as, as we've said, forgive and remember rather than forgive and forget because scars are a reminder that forgiveness works or in the in the medical realm scars are a reminder that there is healing that's taken place and that's what we want to consider okay thank you for reviewing the seven <laughs> steps i want this elusive tool the third tool well let me give you the two ways to live and then then maybe i'll get you to that uh, that tool we we like to refer to the two ways to live w- with even a different terminology the two circles it becomes a great way for people to understand how they're living their life. Are they living in the left-hand circle or are they living in the right-hand circle? This tool I've probably used more than 80% of the time when I'm talking to people because it communicates so much. And I'm not going to get into the, the finer details. I want you to go to the website and see the video related to this. This is chapter eight, the first part of chapter eight in the freedom and choice portion. I want you to go look at the video so you can see how we walk through all of that. I'm going to talk you through the two circles very briefly here. What we do is we get people that are complaining and I simply go, would you uh, be willing to do a little exercise with me? Just draw two circles on a page right and left. In the uh, left-hand circle, I want you to write me in the middle of that circle. And in the right-hand circle, I want you to write me in the middle of that circle. I'm liking it already. Yeah. It's all about it's all me. It's all about me. That's right. So we have two circles with me in the middle of each circle. Now, here's the difference. In that left-hand circle, I want you to draw arrows from the circle in to me. So that the point, me. So the point of the arrow is on me in, in that left-hand circle. With pleasure. Okay. And then in the right-hand circle, I, I want get you to, to make it pointing to me too. No, you don't. You get to point the arrows out from me so that the arrow point is on the circle. So what do you think that left-hand circle means? You don't have very much information there, but what do you think that left-hand circle means? Everything points to me. That's right. Most people come up with those type of answers. This circle is basically saying life happens to you. And Life is something that is just happening. Now, here's why we get there, because we give them some more information. The circles represent life, circumstances, and people. So why don't you write life, circumstances, and people around each one of your circles? When you start recognizing in that left-hand circle that life, circumstances, and people are pointing their arrows at me, that often is an indicator of how much life circumstances and people are controlling you. And that's the reason why we refer to this as a react and respond lifestyle. So write react and respond above that left-hand circle. It's a react and respond lifestyle. Furthermore, it's not only a react and respond lifestyle, but it's a slave, right? Slave underneath react and respond. It's a slave lifestyle because you can't be happy unless life circumstances and people are treating you well. And you typically are going to be sad and upset and angry if they aren't. So it's in control of you. Okay. Then finally, it becomes worse than that. 
it becomes a victim lifestyle. So under slave, you want me to put victim? Put, put victim. That's right. It's a victim lifestyle. It's a lifestyle that basically is saying, if everybody else would just change, I'd be happy. We do that because we're a slave to life circumstances and people, and we become a victim believing that we're not doing anything wrong. We get upset with the people who pull into our lane. Here's the point. The point of that left-hand circle, though, is when I'm a victim, I'm not living in reality to recognize that I have a choice. Victims don't realize they have a choice. What they're choice? Un- you did this to me. That's I mean, right. That's, a fact. And that, that's the only place their victims go. And I teach this stuff, and I see that I live in this left-hand circle too much of the time. And when I'm living in this left-hand circle, I am not living in reality. And reality is I do have a choice. And the right-hand circle is what we call a choose-and-create lifestyle, if you want to write that above the circle. Choose okay, and create so lifestyle. React and respond on the left, choose and create on, on the, the right. right. And it's a freedom lifestyle. Not a slave lifestyle. Not a slave lifestyle. And it's a values lifestyle saying life circumstances of people aren't treating me well, but I'm going to live my good values anyway. That's how these two ways to live turn out. We're either going to live in a life of reacting, responding, thinking that we just react and respond to life, or we're going to see that we have choices in spite of our life circumstances and people. That's how it typically works. So what we have an opportunity to do here is do life differently. And I'll share that tool with you next time. Do I even get to know what it is? Freedom! It's all about freedom. You're either going to have freedom, you're going to have Uh, forgiveness, and you're going to have confession. Those are the three tools that make the solution of love work best. And you never did give me that third tool. (laughs) So next time, but I do thank you for great relationships, pursuing the best in work, life, and love. Give us a call, 800-819-4293. Dad, I didn't make the football team. Why is God trying to ruin my school year? I'm sorry you didn't make the team, but it's not God's fault. Yes, it is. God's in control of everything. God is in control, but he also gives everyone the freedom to make choices, like the choice for you to trust God, that being on the football team is not the best for you. Remember Aunt Rubina's logical contradiction in life? What's that? That God is perfect. Are you perfect? No. God knows all things. Do you know all things? No. So you agree that God is perfect and knows everything, and you aren't and can't know everything. But you continue to trust people who make mistakes instead of God, who is perfect and has infinite wisdom. I gotcha. It's time for me to talk with God and start trusting Him about His goals. You know what else your Aunt Rubina says? Better eat your vegetables! Join us next week as Herman invites you to make the fundamental decision in life. Trust God or trust something other than God.